Hey everybody, I'm Justin Bowen, my partner Mike Valenzano, and you're listening to the Valenzano Zone podcast presented by BuddiesProShop.com. On this episode, we're recapping the first two events of the Storm Cup of the 2022 PBA season, the David Smalls Best of Best Championship and Kokomo Championship, along with an overall review through the first four events of the season. We stream all of our content live on YouTube where you can find our upcoming shows and our new time on Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. If you want to see all that BuddiesProShop.com has to offer, head over to their website and use coupon code ZONE5OFF to save 5% off your next order. Some manufacturer restrictions may apply. Be sure and check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Zone so you never miss an update from the crew. Now, let's get into our 10th episode of Season 2, 2022 PBA Season Through 4 Events. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Bone and Zono Zone podcast presented by BuddiesProShop.com. Mike, it's Friday, end of the week. How are we doing today? Hang in there, buddy. Rough week, but uh, we're making the best of it. Yeah, I heard you had a, a little uh, little injury at the beginning of the week. Yeah, the big guy's on the shelf for a couple of weeks. I have a, um, a partially torn bicep in my right arm and a torn labrum in my shoulder. So uh, we're on the shelf for about a week, uh, a week about a month. And uh, I'm going to be starting physical therapy on Monday. And uh, if that doesn't work, then I think the next plan is going to be to convert to the dark side and go left-handed. Might be. And you've seen me bowl left-handed. It's actually not bad. You you can play left-handed. I can play. Well, I've already – I when I blew my shoulder out when I was younger, I bowled left-handed for about three, four months. So I kind of have the fundamentals, but I wouldn't mind learning how to bowl from the port side. Yeah, you could, you could, you could do it for a couple of weeks anyway. Yeah, it's not too shabby. So enough about me. Let's get right into it. So uh, let's get back to our famous opening segment of what's up in Wichita, Justin. Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about it. So uh, recently, uh, the the team just bowled in Indianapolis at the Hoosier, uh, where we came out on top. Uh, pretty grueling event overall. Um, it's been a, an event that has been pretty hard to win in, in history. Uh, the team hasn't won in over 10 years on the guy side. Uh, the girls had a had a four-peat in there a couple of years ago, um, but the guys hadn't won in, in quite a bit of time. Um, I played the gutter for a decent amount of time, too, which was fun. Were you bowling a Woodland? Uh, Western. Okay. So I say it's a Woodland Center, right? It's only yeah, it's, a, it's one of the Royal Pin Centers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, gutter has been pretty good at Western. Um, we bowled Junior Gold there, and the two patterns that were out there were in play on the gutter. So I've got... Some success there in the past, so I had some some confidence going in. Um, went twenty six over for my six games on the on Saturday. Um, they were, I think they were less than two to one, uh, forty one feet. Yeah, didn't move off the gutter until game five, and made a, a small thirty and twenty left. Yeah, it's a small <laughs> move. Yeah. Um, I I don't know if this is true, but I thought I heard somebody say. You actually threw it one-handed at the at the Hoosier. I sure did. Wow, going you're going to the dark side. Uh, yeah, <laughs> both of us. Yeah, um, I bowled one-handed on Sunday during the Baker portion of it. We bowled on 37 feet, one to one. Wow, With quite a bit of friction. Talk about just flat and dirty, huh? Yeah, they were uh, pretty grueling. Um, and to be honest, the, the one-handed looks really good on the gutter when there's a lot of friction and when I need to get eight or nine when they're they're pretty hard. Um, and that's about what it did. Um, yeah, I don't have quite the touch that I did a year or two ago. Um, 
which I mean, kind of makes sense. Um, yeah. But it's it's still good enough that I can get eight or nine on the on the bad ones. And leave and leave a makeable and cover to spare and fill the frame. Yeah, I didn't move left of three in all the Baker games. God. So uh, that was uh, pretty fun to go out there and do that and play the gutter. I, li- I like doing that. Was uh, everybody else out there, or did you have just some people trying to boom into the gutter? Um, not really. Um, most of them had just progressively migrated left. Um, they had started in between first and second arrow, and I just couldn't move in with them because of my rev rate. Uh, my mm-hmm. ball roll, my ball roll tracks over the thumb. Yeah, one handed. Um, so is it really over the thumb? Oh yeah, it's it's pretty bad. I think the last time I saw you bowl one handed was the day that you bowled Stewie Williams. We did the virtual match. It could have been. That might have been the last time I think you I saw you bowl one handed. That was almost two years ago. Yeah, uh, I've been doing it now for uh, like a year and a half. Uh, basically, only two handed. Uh, shooting spares one hand still. Yep. Um, so I mean the 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 fundamentals are still there. Yeah. Uh, to shoot to shoot the spares. Um, but just... your muscle memory is still there too. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so when all the all the guys just progressively moved left with urethane, some of them got in the fourth or fifth arrow with urethane and and curving the lane. I was still way out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, ball speed and ball roll definitely helped that. So helped yeah, me well, able be able to stay out there. Um, but I couldn't move in with the rest of the guys in my look. Definitely could have been better towards the end. <laughs> yeah, well, it's going to be uglier as it goes on, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about two-handers. Let's go to the first two-hander of the day, Mr. Svensson. Yeah, talking about the, the last two events, uh, basically that have just happened, the two uh, regular tour titles in Jackson, Michigan, and Kokomo, Indiana. Uh, Jesper Svensson ran them over. In Jackson, understatement. Understatement. Uh, I I think he almost broke the six game record or the twelve game record. Mm-hmm. Um, he was not very far from. He only needed like two forty the last game, on one of the blocks. Um, basically led the tournament wire to wire and then won in the step ladder. Um, he beat our beat our man Packy for the title. Yeah, there's uh there's not a whole lot to that. Um, not a whole lot of controversy or or anything really. Um, the left was really good that week for the guys that had some rev rate. Um, and uh, Jesper really took advantage of it. Yeah, Jesper ran him over. Who was the show? It was Jesper, Packy, uh, Nick Pate? Nick Pate was on the show. Oh, God. I, who was the fourth one? I'm stumping you on this one. I can't remember it either. Yeah, let me uh, let me look. Oh, anybody can type that one in, too, and help us out here instead of us trying to rack our brains for the answer. Was Nick it another lefty? I think it was. Pate was the only righty. I think so. Um, I'm pulling it up now. And that's a new stop, too. I don't think they've ever gone to Kokomo before. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, oh, Packy Barrett in the first round. Oh, it was Barrett. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, those stops, so... The, the guy that owns the center, the proprietor of the center, Dave Small, uh, has run a couple of PBA 50 events. Yeah. Uh, that's mm-hmm. been a pretty a pretty good area for the for the senior tour. Uh, they bowl mm-hmm. a couple at a couple of his centers and going there. He's got some really great fans. He's they're it's just they're just really good towns for the sport of bowling. Yeah, that midwestern area is like the hub spot, like the hot spot for bowling. It really is. Yeah, and Dave's got some some great fans, some great staff. 
Uh, he does a great job putting on events, and I'm I'm actually pretty glad that they did go there for a national stop, uh, yeah. even though it was just a uh, quote unquote full bowling event. Uh, it's only a matter of time before they went up there for a national stop. They had exactly, um, and I think they uh, did a, a pretty good job for those two events. Uh, both of those centers were were new to the national tour. Yeah, um, and it was uh, pretty cool to see. I kind of want to break down the next tournament a little more in depth. I think we definitely can. I think there was a little bit more to the next one. Uh, Jesper basically let it wire to wire like we talked about. Um, And I think that event really shows how dominant he can be when he's playing his A game. When he has it, there's really not a lot of people on the tour that can match him. I don't really consider him a guy that is making every cut per se or is always in the top 10, whether he has it or doesn't have it. But when he does have it, he's get out of his way. Get out of his way. And I, I know this may be jumping it a little bit, but looking at it from this week, he did not have it this week. No, no. Um, we'll we'll talk about the tournament of champions a little bit later. But um, you're right. When Jesper has his A game, there's nobody that can keep up with Jesper. Yeah, I mean, uh, talking about going back either last year, or two years ago, when we bowled at Woodland. When it was the oh, we ran him over when there was that singles and doubles event, won the singles and doubles event. Yeah, ran him over. Week. I mean, that well, it's that kind of stuff that I mean, like you don't, you very rarely see Jesper make a show and not win. Yeah, and if he does, it's like one bad shot or a bad break that costs him. Right. It's never like he he makes a show because he he just he bowled okay. He, he, he backdoored his way into the telecast. He very rarely right. does. That, that doesn't happen. He's normally no. there because he struck a lot. Yeah, and he strikes a ton. He really does. Yeah. The the other guy that strikes a ton is Mr. Belmonte. Yes. So this was title number 27. 20, 27. So let's just do the Belmonte count really quick. 27 titles and 15. 14 majors 14 14 majors you realize he has more majors than standard titles yeah that's been a common trend for uh, a couple of years now um he i think he got there when he won the world championship in detroit when he got to number 11 yeah when he tied the record right or you know he broke the that record was when he that. broke it yes um, he was at, I think he was at 11 and 20. Um, but I mean, I think we had, we had seen that trend coming for quite a bit of time. Um, but it's, I mean, we're talking about a guy that, or a record that had only been 10 and he's at 14 and he's not even 40. He had, it was a 10 for many years. Yeah. A long time. Yeah. So, all right. So let's, I'll throw this one out there. Go ahead. I guess the first one I'll ask is, does he break Walter's record of 47? You know, I think the one thing that could be stopping him would be the amount of events that they purely bowl. Correct. I mean, Walter bowled in a time where they where they bowled a lot of events. And not taking yeah. anything away from, from Walter Ray. No, but Walter um, bowled 36 tournaments a year. Correct. Um, what Belmonte is doing in this time... I mean, with the the major stat, I mean, oh, unbelievable. I mean, you you almost can't compare him anymore to the best in our sport, and have to compare him to 
Tom Brady, Serena Williams, Tiger Woods, Tiger yeah, Woods exactly. guys like that. I mean, that was, our, that was our first show that we did was comparing him to athletes like that. And I mean, now he's, he's really making that separation in our sport. He really is. And you realize he would have a, a, a his career. He could make his career just based on his major performances. If he oh, never yeah. bowled a standard professional bowler association tournament, he would be a hall of famer by just his major accomplishment, what he's done in the majors. Yeah. Oh yeah. Now, so 14 titles in the majors, right? Yeah. How many seconds? We have an idea of how many seconds he has. That I don't know. I, I don't think we've ever asked that one. So he's at bowled for the title at least 14 times. Correct. In a major. And I, and I know 15 um, for a fact. He, yeah, when he lost, yeah, when he lost the dad. So that's okay, 15 16. times. Right I was here. thinking of something else. <laughs> I was thinking of the, the players. When he lost to uh, Anthony Simonson. Okay, so there's 16 times he bowled for the title in a major that we can think of right off the top of our head. Yeah, I'm going to go and see on PBA.com if I can find anything. Good luck. PBA.com is pretty um, va vanilla these days, to yes. say it nicely. So I'm but gonna... just think of it this way. So you, so you don't think he can break Walter's record? I wouldn't say that's out of the question. I think it would be a little bit harder. Yeah, I agree with you. But. And especially that he doesn't bowl a lot of those extra frame stops that are now national stops because of where he lives. During the summer, he doesn't. Yes. But during, like, now. He, now, yeah. He yeah. is and, and is supposed to. Um, I think that, I think he's going to pass dad. At 35, I, re I really think he could. So it's, correct me if I'm wrong, so it's Walter, Earl, Norm. Is it Dad and Pete, or is it Pete, Dad? Pete, What's the, Pete then Dad. What is, Pete, 37, 36? 37 or 38. And dad is 35. Yeah. Yeah, I can see him getting to 35. I think that's where it may kind of, I don't say plateau for him. I think it just depends how long he, he can last at this dominant performance. I mean, realistically, he's still got 10 or 15 years left. Exactly. Here, here's, here's one for you. And uh, I learned this one when we had Walter on a couple weeks ago. So Walter has 47 national titles, right? Walter Ray is bowled for the title 94 times in his career. He has 47 runner ups on the national tour. That's he nuts. is bold. He is bowled for the title 94 times in his career. That is insane. That's a lot. Forget every other finish. Just he's been in the title match ninety four times. Yeah, that's that's like, unreal. That's a number that I don't think Belmonte will ever get to that number. No, and I think that's back to the whole the the whole numbers thing. Uh, you almost have to look at it as more of a percentage wise, um, and like the events that Walter Ray had bowled, he got to the title ten percent of the time. And I'm just throwing a number out there. That that's a lot. That's that's an awful lot. I mean, um, but like. If Belmo bowled a hundred times and got to the the title match ten times, I know that those numbers are much larger, but something like that, what percentage is? I think I feel like that's how you'd have to compare it because the tour isn't the same as it was when Walter A was bowling. No, is this the most dominant Belmonte we've seen so far? I I think it's pretty close to it. 
Uh, I mean, he's leading the playoffs points by like 5,000 points. I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous how much he's leading, he's leading by. Um, let me go. I know they just wrote and, an article about and here and here I was, and I thought he was going to have some rust on him, you know, not being in competitive bowling in almost a year and a half. Yeah, I know. And he came over and he just he railroaded the players that the Western region. Yeah. And when he made that show, he looked just ridiculously good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think. He's he's finished lower than third once in the first four events. I mean that's that's nuts. And right now, he is in the show at the TSC right now. So he I mean, is he, sitting in fourth right now for the show. Yeah, and and he's got a, a huge front runner for player of the year. Player of the year right now. Uh, so this is from PBA.com. Um, should he take home the Player of the Year award in 2022, he'll tie Walter Williams Jr. with seven career Player of the Years. Williams won seven Player of the Year awards over a 24-year period spanning four different decades. As if you needed another ridiculous Belmo stat, Belmonte could notch his seventh Player of the Year title within a single decade. Wow. He has a 70% chance of winning the player of the year. What does that make the other guys on tour feel like? I, I mean, you can't take anything away from the guys that are bowling on tour. No. I mean, no. I mean, we're talking about the best bowlers in the world. It's not that the rest of the field can't be that much worse than what Walt it, Ray It's against. not like he's bowling against the Wednesday night men's league. Exactly. I mean, he's bowling against the best guys in the world. And what there's, and there's not a bigger word than dominating to compare it to. What is what what separates him from everybody else is the question. You know, and, and you could say, oh, it's you know determination or his work ethic, but these guys bowl for a living. They bowl every day. Yeah, I uh, I think it's it's mentally. What 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 is this? Or pick another player in, in which era, Jeff? Are you talking about? Are we talking about in Walter's era? Are we talking about in Belmo's era? What which era are we talking about in dominance? Because if you talk about in Walter's era, in the nineties, you can talk about. I mean, it is Walter, but then towards the middle to end of the nineties, it's your father, right? And you know, Duke was in that era. Weber made his comeback in that era, so. There's the four that I would say in that era. Yeah. If, if you if you really categorize it from like 95 through the middle of the 2000s, the four guys you think of that were just dominant in the tour were Parker, Walter, Duke, and, and Norm. Yeah, now and, that's right. when, and that's when Barnes kind of made his own too. Yeah, and guys like EJ Tackett, Sean Rash, yep. Simo, Jesper, Kyle Troop in this era – are almost getting so overshadowed during this time because of how dominant Belmonte is being. But what what separates him from everybody else is what we need to know. Like, what so, is it? So I watched him bowl the show, uh, the players' show down in Texas when he bowled yeah. Sean for the title. Mm -hmm. And 
the way that he handled himself mentally. I mean, it was it was different than any other bowler that I had seen. I mean, it was it was business to him. It seemed like he was there to do his job and make the best shot he could. And I know that we all we all try and go up there and make the best shot he could, but his focus on hitting the target in front of him um, and making the best shot that he can, I think is what separated him on that show. Um, and if that's how he bowls every other event, which, I mean, it really should be no different, um, I can clearly see why that is. You would hope that he doesn't have an injury and that his oh, – he's the first two-handed style really to really revolutionize it, right? I mean, I know Oscar was the first one to ever throw it, the two-handed style on TV in the States on tour, but Belmo made it, right? Yeah. You hope that he doesn't hurt himself or have an injury that would deter him from prolonging his career because of the style. Yeah. I, I think it's it's the the mental the mental thing. I mean, we but, all know how important mental the mental side of our yeah, sport but, really is. But you don't think those other guys we talked about were and look at the like when we had Lich on, right? Yeah. What did he say? Walter was a killer on the lanes. He was an assassin. He, your father was a killer on the lanes. Like all these guys, it's their job, right? Right. Like they have like that eye of the tiger. They have that mentality of I'm going out there. If I don't strike, I don't get a check. They they have that. But why what separates Belmo from everybody else? So think about it this way. So think about the guys that do go out on tour from our area. Okay. So like they go out on tour because they have that mental edge over everybody else. I mean, there are players that physically throw it phenomenal that never went on tour. We we've we've talked about that before. Um the mental edge that they have over everybody else in their area makes them dominant in their area. Belmonte's the same way, just on the national tour. Worldwide. Exactly. I mean his uh, this one right here, his mental game and mastery of speed control and pressure is, is unbelievable. I mean, yeah. how many times, I think I saw this crazy stat online that on TV, when a player opens against him, his percentage of doubling in the next, oh, it's through the roof is like 84% or yeah. something like that. I saw the same thing. It's like automatic. He doubles at you. Yeah. So it's stuff like that, that, I mean, he. Walter was like that too, though. Yeah, but it's it's. Different. I didn't live in that era, so I didn't watch it. You know what? Like I, I, I did, and I. And if anybody else wants to chime in here, go right ahead. If you watch Walter in the nineties, it almost seemed like a lot of times in a in a Walter Ray match, whether it was the title match or the opening match of a show, Walter would get a gift from his opponent. And I'm not saying, oh, he left like flat 10, flat 10. The opponent would open. And as soon as that opening was given to him, Walter jumped all over that. Yeah. And it didn't matter if he was on spare, spare, spare. Walter doubled. As soon as he got that opening, it's like, boom, he automatically would double. He had that, like, you know, just like Belmonte, like just said with Belmonte. Right. But do you think. Do you think if the errors were reversed, 
if Belmo bowled in Walter's era and Walter was bowling in Belmo's era, that they would have the same credentials. And forget the age. Like, Walter in his prime, bowling now, right? In, to in today's game, you mean? Today's game. You take Walter, Walter Ray Williams in his 30s. Okay. Right? And I'll say from 1993 on, that's when Walter, I'm not saying the whole resin urethane thing, when Walter Ray's career went stupid through the roof was 93. He won okay. seven titles. He took off. Take okay. Walter Ray Williams at 93 from 1993 post, put him in today's game with today's equipment and his game from then, right? Deadly accurate, never miss a spare. Now take Belmonte today and put him in Walter's era. Who do you think would excel more? I think Belma would excel more in Walter Ray's era. Why? Surely because of Rev Rate. I think that Belmo, I mean, what, what he's doing now, the players that ball on today's tour, I mean, the, the lanes break down, they have to get left real quick, and they have to open up their angles pretty steep. The guys with high rev rate can do that pretty pretty easily. Mm -hmm. Walter Ray, we all know, is a pretty straight player. Likes to go up the lane. True. Well, that doesn't last very long nowadays. No, I but think. now, but think of it this way, too. The sh the formats are shorter now. How many yeah. tournaments are you winning? You're winning a title in 14 games. So, in 14 games, Walter would be able to play his A game, going, keeping it more in front of him than really opening up and have to boom it a lot. Yeah. You see what yeah. I'm saying? Like it's a very very interesting comparison. Yeah, I think that. I mean, it would. I mean, we we've seen what Belmo can do with urethane. Belmont knows how to use urethane, and when he uses it, he's pretty good at it. He is, and and it's only become recent he's put urethane in his bag. Yeah, I mean, he definitely can can play with urethane and can keep his angles pretty straight. Yes. Um, I always thought Justin the only way to beat him was to get him on the fresh. I always thought he struggled a little bit when they were fresh, and as soon as they opened up. And he was able to just take that big step left. See ya. Can't beat him. Yeah. But go back to the other argument. In in Walter's era, if you put Belmo there in a 42-game format, a 56-game format, where they bowled that regularly, yeah, I think he would really lap the field. Because if you and you know no. this from oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know this from from dad and whatnot. They didn't re-oil back then. You know, they bowled a squad, like, match play on a Friday night, you know, top 24. Yeah. They oiled in the morning. They didn't re-oil for the night block. Right. Belmo would be on his A game the last eight games of the block on a Friday night. How are you beating that? Well, I and think Belmo's been pretty dominant in the long formats that run on tour. That's why he's so dominant in the majors, because he can give himself the opportunity to get to the TV show quite a decent amount and it's almost like he just kind of treads water and then boom he turns on like he did this week like he qualified for like 12th or 14th for the for match play yeah and now he's in fourth like he just he ran him over yeah i mean and 
and he he never he never leaves a split. He breaks every split up. Like balls yeah. that look like, oh my god, there's a two eight ten off his hand, it's a two pin. Yeah, and that's kind of like what I've seen too from going from one handed to two handed is how much I break up those splits. Uh yeah, sure, I, I definitely strike more, but the the knocking more pins down when you don't strike. I mean, I find it very rare that I bucket. I mean, and that's that's a pretty hard spare to shoot at. When you talk about, oh, I'm going to shoot at either a 2-4-5, a 2-4, a 2-8, or a 2-pin instead of a bucket. Yeah. We're talking about a, a much better chance of making the spare. Your odds are your odds are a lot higher to make the spare in, at that point. In the long run. Absolutely. It's, it's the same thing for splits. It's the same thing for 2-8-10s. Uh, the same thing for big fours. Break it up. And that's what makes our game so hard is like, you know, everybody's well, who's the Mount Rushmore bowling and whatnot. It's so hard to really gauge that because of the errors, the equipment, the general, the lane conditions. You know, could Belmonte have done this in the 60s? Like when right. we had Bo, like Bo said he bowled on, you know, one to one gutter to gutter with wooden ball, you know, a, a wooden ball, a rubber ball rather, and the wooden pin. Like, could Belmonte have done this 60 years ago? You know, right. could could Bo have done what he did now? Like, it's so hard to really put your finger on that. Because you had to be dominant in certain areas of the sport. In the 60s, you had to be dominant with accuracy, accuracy. and speed control. Now, you have to be knowledgeable on the equipment a little bit more and the making the right moves. I mean, it's not – yes, you have to be accurate. Don't get me wrong. But there is a little but, bit more room for error when you're crossing so many boards. Exactly. And the and the balls have a motor in them anyway. Exactly. So do you – and I'll, I ask this to Bo. I'll ask you. Do you think the shop maker is obsolete now or has been retired? I – to a certain extent, yes. Okay. I, I feel like – our shot makers are the ones with lower rev rate on tour now. Frankie Lavoie. Prime example. Frankie's got an incredible physical game, and he's definitely a shot maker. Prather. Prather. But Pr Prather's won, but he hasn't been super dominant. Um, no, but he's a shot maker, though. Correct. Um, do you consider guys like EJ Tackett, Anthony Simonson, and Sean Rash the, the super <sighs> shot makers? I consider Rash more of a shot maker than Tackett. I think Tackett's more of a power guy, and it shows. Yeah. So, all right. Here's one for you. I'll give you. I'll give you. Go ahead. Another, another question. We're just having a discussion here, right? We're talking about shot yeah. makers, right? Yeah. Will we both agree that Frankie's the best shot maker on tour? Probably. Right. We say Frankie yeah. Lavois is the, the best shot maker on tour. Better shot maker, Frankie Lavoie, Brian Voss. Oh, God. And Voss was a pure shot maker. Yeah. Very similar game, not a lot of rev rate, silky smooth. Better shot maker, better touch, Voss or Frankie Lavoie. God, that's... And, and I know you didn't really see Voss, but you've seen enough of Voss. Yeah. To know what he could do. And I, I don't think... There was a better shot maker that I saw than Brian Voss. Yeah. So there you go. Think of that one. That's uh that's one I'd have to sit on. 
but I think now it's a little bit more of a power game with the amount of strikes that are being thrown. Um, not that scores weren't high back then, um, but you needed to be a shot maker to get to the pocket. Do you do you think that a bowler can have too much power now, especially yeah. with the bowling balls? Mm-hmm. I do. I mean, I'm kind of seeing it in my own game. Um, I'm gonna, I want to. I want to pop this open for one second, right? Yeah. Get, let me. Let me go real quick about the power thing. Yeah. Go ahead. Then I'll pop it open. So, trying to for me, trying to throw it a little bit harder, I lose some touch. Okay. I think you have to have a little bit of touch to be really good. Belmonte Absolutely. definitely has touch. Chris Vi definitely has touch as as a two handed player. EJ Tack and Sean Rash. They've they've all got touch. Troop, another one. Troop, another one. When Troop slowed it down a little bit, he was he got really good. Troop of, more of a one-hander and a two-hander body, it yeah. seems like. Yeah, but he de- he doesn't run out of his shoes anymore. No. And that mile an hour slower that you throw it or walk to the line, yeah, you're losing some power on the pins because of ball speed. But you have much more control, and over a long period of time, you're going to be dominant. I agree. So – too much power, yes, can be an issue, especially now. And maybe, and maybe that's why Tackett's kind of snake bitten when he gets to the show. I mean, he gets to the show how many times, right? But when he gets there, it's almost like he just forgets what to do. Almost, I think you know what got, I mean. He's just got a lot of rev rate that it wants to go sideways down lane, and I think he's he's another one that is pretty dominant on the burn. Yeah, um, when he can move a little bit left when there's some oil drag down the lane. Um, that makes him pretty dominant, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and he is dominant. Don't get me wrong. On, on the fresh, balls like to go sideways down lane because there is no oil down lane. Um, and that's where his rev rate can be an issue. It's a very interesting conversation. Yes, definitely. And I think I, I sparked some controversy or some topics here with the Voss-Frankie Lavoie comparison. Yeah. Um. I, I thought Voss was the best shot maker I've ever seen before. I I, I crossed with Voss at the U.S. Open one year at Carolier. Yeah, and and you know the myth or the legends of how the Open at Carolier was one to one forty feet, just ridiculously filthy, dirty, and everybody on the burn squad would be chucking it over the gutter cap. Right. I watched Brian Voss for eighteen games of qualifying. He played eighteen for eighteen games. He never got left of the fourth arrow, and he would just split the seam on the 18th board, and he 140 over for the for 18, and we made the made the cashing round without a problem. But wow. to watch somebody do that on that hard of a condition, it was like watching an artist paint a picture. It was yeah. like you're in awe of watching how good this guy was. Right. And then if you want to go into the 2000s. This may be a, an, an interesting one, and you could disagree with me on this. You know who I thought was a really good shot maker in the 2000s, 2010s, before all these power kits came out? Go ahead. Mika. Okay, I can see that. Mika was a shot. Mika and Barnes, I thought, were two great shot makers, but I thought Mika just had a little bit more than Barnes did. No disrespect to Barnes. But right. My God, I thought Mika was just, there was nothing that guy couldn't hit. In the moment, he was a pure shot maker. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you, and you saw him bowl enough where I think you would agree with that too. Right. I I would I would agree with that statement. And the harder they got, the better Mika bowled. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Now, let's talk about tournament champions. Okay. Do, do you want my do you want my two cents on the TSC? Go ahead. I have a real problem, and I don't know if this is the pattern. Well, what are they bowling on? Well, what pattern are they bowling on? Is it a tournament champions pattern? Do they put a a, a player pattern down? Do we know what they're bowling on? Uh, let me see if I can find it. I'm sure that I can on PBA. Yeah, I, I, well, let's let's figure that out before I go into my rant. And I want to pop this open really quick, Justin. I know where you're going. No, you don't. Oh, okay. Now I don't. I could be wrong. So but they're bowling I, on Don Johnson, and I think that's 40 feet. That's 40 feet. I could be wrong, but if this is the Sonny Pavlicek, I believe it is. This gentleman was in a movie called Pin Gods in the 90s. Okay. And I have a copy of that. It is a really good movie. It's about him, uh, Tony Rose Amelia, a guy from Jersey, bowled on tour, and Walter Ray. Okay. And I, if that's the same Sonny Pavlicek that I was in the movie... Thanks for joining us. Love you in pin gods. All right. So they're bowling on 40 feet. Justin, how is it possible that the left was wiped out minus butters again in this tournament? Yeah. And we, we talked about it yesterday on the phone. Um, I think it's a characteristic of a center of the center thing. Um, there were, Guys that um, had bowled in the center previously um, that have lived in Ohio that commented on Facebook, and I, we, we both saw the same thing on Facebook, um, that the left just historically has not been the greatest at this center. Um, and you talked about it. Well, Johnny won the tournament champions in this building. Your father finished second playing the sixth arrow in this building. Right. And that's not his A game. I mean, no. 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 The guys that are – the guys on the left that are bowling good can shape it. The lefties that throw it hard are not, or that like to go straighter are not. So I just saw a post this morning on Facebook. Okay. One of, and if I'm going to make my Mount Rushmore of the top lefties to ever bowl on tour, this guy's on there. Okay. Clear him on Florida. Done. No more tour starts. I can't compete on what they bowl on. They are way better than me. Good luck to the top 24. Jason Couch is not dead by any means. No. He's not they're not throwing dirt on Jason Couch's. I know he's 50. He's had but a couple he's injuries. He's got plenty of power. He has game. Yeah. And you know, 2 days at the TSC, I feel that I've gotten beat up. It is time for me to shut it down. Shut it down. Is this is what they've done? Like how do they wipe out a guy who's arguably one of the greatest lefties to ever throw a bowling ball? And he's making comments like that. Like, you're not in the grave, dude. You have plenty of game left. You can compete. He can still compete with the kids. 100%. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. And then, I... and then, hold on. Well, I got one more. Go ahead. And I, I don't know what his last block was. Okay. How is it possible that your father bowled 200 one time in 12 games? I mean... How do you wipe those two? Pepe was wiped out. Russo was wrapped, uh, wiped, um, locked out. Two lefties in the top 40? 
one in the top 24. Yeah, Jesper was 40th. Jesper was 40th. Um, Brandon, Brandon Runk was 45th. Runk was there. Pepe was over. Simonelli was 50. Simonelli had some stuff to say, too, about yeah. the left. Uh, Pepe was 54th. Matt Sanders, 57th. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dad, 62nd. Russo, 63rd. Jason Couch, 65th. What was Couch was 200 and change under? 204, yeah. You, I've never seen Jason Couch that far under in a tournament, ever. Yeah. Ever. Your father was 180 under? Never seen that before. Right. Like, what? what is it? Is it the building? I, I think it is. Um, I think they go there because of the history of that building. Yes, agreed. But 100%. Like we saw on Facebook from the one guy that bowls in Ohio. It's been a center characteristic that the left just has not been very good in this building. Are there going to be one or two odds? Sure. Jacob Buttrick, we all know, is a very unique left-handed bowler. Yes, very much so. Johnny was a was a more unique left-handed bowler. Albie made the show there almost like every year when he bowled tournament champions. He was going to be the other guy that I said. And he never won the tournament of champions in Akron. He won the, the first time he won the TSC was in Illinois. They moved, it was the first time they had the Brunswick World Tournament Champions. Yeah. So he never won at Riviera. But he was on the show. Steve Cook won at Riviera. Yeah. There's a guy. I mean, he was a left. He was he was kind of like Couch was before Couch came on tour. Right. Again, I mean, you've, more seen, rev you've seen Cook Bowl. More, more Rev Ray. Yeah, and that was really not heard of back in the early 80s when Cook bowled on tour. So I think that it's from, I mean, even like what I've kind of, we, we've kind of talked about, the higher speed, higher Rev guys or the more power guys. Um, seem to hit that building from making shape. Um, and I think it, it's a center. Yeah. Now, our top five, Justin, Rash, Belmonte, Prather, Sherman, Barrett. That's our top five. And then Maldonado, Tackett, and Tommy Jones go right behind them. Who is Karsten Hansen, Justin? Do we know who he is? I don't know who that is. Player from Denmark won one of the titles at the World Series right after COVID. Okay. So that's our... And then uh, he's in ninth and Dick Allen's in tenth. Yeah. Um. So off the show, Dick Allen is roughly 100... And, 100 he's 111 off the show in tenth. So it's anybody can still get there. Um. Yeah, scores aren't super separated yet. No, they're not too super separated. Kyle Sherman, uh, Kyle Sherman would be a nice little story to see make the show. Yeah. And the show is going to be Sunday. Correct. On FS1. Do you have a pick for this? I mean, it's so hard to go against Belmo. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, let, let's be real. Oh, and the finals is on Fox, by the way. Oh, not FS1, just regular Fox. It's on regular Fox. Oh, nice. Um, it's so hard to go against Belmo. Um, I think it's hard to go against Chris Prather as well. Um, he's won the TSC before in that building. In this building. Um, Tommy Jones would be another one. He's They've got uh, the one game update this morning. Tommy Jones is on the show right now. Oh, he is. Uh, mine, he, mine's not updated then. He'd be one that I would like to see win, and partially because of what happened to him a couple years ago. 
in oh, so, so updated, Prather is the leader now. Prather yep. has the lead. So Prather, Rash, Sherman, Belmo, Tommy Jones is your top five as of now. Yeah. Um, it would be pretty cool to see Tom Hess get to the show. I know he's quite a ways off the show, but anything can happen in 15 games. Of match. Yeah, Hess is, um, Hess is sitting in 20th right now. He's 660 over. He's uh, 200 off the show. 200 is not that much to make up. Not in 15 games. Absolutely. No, especially with the bonus pins. Right. So, and he's the only senior on the show. Or, I'm sorry, in the top 24. Yeah. Uh, Frankie sitting in 22nd. And Buttriff is sitting in 17th. So, not the worst, but not the greatest. No. And do you think it's weird that he's not higher up the ladder right now, considering he's getting fresh every pair he goes to? Is that an advantage? Is that a disadvantage? We don't know. Well, think of it this way. Even during qualifying, how many lefties were there? He, it wasn't like he was following a lefty every pair. There were five or six lefties in the field. Right. So he basically had fresh every game across the house. Yeah. You know, I'm surprised he really isn't going to start running them over. And you've seen him have blocks where he's run them over. Yeah, I think it. I think it's just getting matched up the right way. And when and if he does get matched up the right way, is he going to strike a bunch? Yeah. You know who – and this is totally off the topic. Do you know who recently has struck a whole lot? Who? Oh. Um, I believe it was done last weekend in Minnesota. Oh, Matt McNeil. Oh. So – 24-60? 2468 for eight for nine. That's a lot. So Matt Bold, I guess his association tournament out in Minnesota. Yeah. And uh he just happened to put up the old 2468 jammer for nine yeah, out there. Nice. So if, if we go to Mr. Mr. Cal Mr. Calculator really quick here. 2468 divided by nine. Uh Matt averaged uh, just a shade oh, under a shade over two seventy four for nine games. He hugged the lane man a lot. Yes. And that's not the USBC scoring record. That's unreal. That was just beat last year, I believe, or in St. Louis. Yeah. Yes. Someone uh, broke it. How many time. do we, you know what? I want to look that up because I would like to find out. I want to see how far Matt was off. Nine game scoring record, right? What is the scoring record? Missouri, and he was 21 years old, the kid that did it. Wow. Uh, from Missouri, Missouri Bowler breaks nine-game scoring record. Anthony Resnick of Troy, Michigan, he bowled 24-83 for nine. Wow, so he really wasn't that far off. No, Matt was right there. He bowled 825, 822, and... 825, 822, and 836. 836. Yeah. Yeah. He averaged 275.8 for his nine games. So this guy, his low game of the day when he did it was 259. It's a lot of strikes. Can you imagine what what was dad's scoring record for eight? Uh 622 over for eight. So what does that equate to? Uh 622 for eight. 
Twenty-two, twenty-nine. He averaged two seventy-eight. Would and he and he would have he would have beat that. Yeah, that's insane. And just think, he did it on tour, where these guys are doing it in your local association. association your, yeah, on the house patterns and whatnot. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, kudos to Matt Eagle McNeil for that one. Yeah. So you're going to pick Belmo for the weekend. I think I, I think I have to. Um, but to be honest, I'd I'd like to see Prather win. I think that'd be pretty cool. We'd like to see Prather go back to the winner's circle. There's not many guys that have won this tournament twice. No. Um, uh, seeing Prather win would be pretty cool. Um, Kyle Sherman, seeing him win would be pretty cool. Yeah, uh, Sherman I've, would be good. I've bowled a, a couple of events with him now in St. Louis that I've bowled. Um, and even though we may not be the the greatest of friends or or have like the the best relationship like me and Prather do or any kind of connections like that, but uh, anything's good for social media, I think. Um, yes, I and, agree. And what what he could do um, would be pretty cool. I like I'll I like you. seeing guys that do something similar to what I do. Yeah, um, have success. I'll tell you what. You know who I'd like to see make the run. He led qualifying, I believe, after the first round or the second round. The most underrated bowler on tour. Dick Allen? 100%. 100% the most underrated bowler on the PBA Tour. Okay. And I, he did lead after the first round, I believe. Yeah. And I think he's sitting in the middle of the pack, so I would like to see Dick Allen make a little run. I mean, that guy, I think he needs a major on his resume. Yeah, I think he so. Doesn't, he doesn't have a major? He didn't win the players? No. No, right? He won the, the regional. The players regional. Yes, I knew that. I but I second to uh, Kyle because that yeah. was the, the first major for either player. He didn't. I th I thought years ago he might have made a show at the players years ago. Could have been. Yeah, and he finished second at the Open. He had a f recently at the U.S. Open. Really? I yes. Was it the U.S. Open or the Tournament of Champions? One of the two. And we finished second at the players last year. Yeah, but there was another show. He made a show at the at a major. Oh, that I don't know. Yeah, there is one. Um, You'll have to do some uh, some research on that. Yeah. So, what do we got on the schedule for next week? Um, um, now, do you want to really uh, reveal what we're what we're working on on our big uh, our big show that we're or five episode show we're trying to work on? Yeah, our next little uh, big topic of debate. Uh, I mean, we've kind of we've talked about doing it for a very long time. He won the playoffs. He won the, the PBA playoffs in 2011. Oh, okay. That was it. I knew he – I thought it was a major, but it wasn't. Um, yeah, so that was that. And he – South region. Yeah, that's enough. All right, we'll get into that later. So what, what are we working on, bud? So we're working on uh, something we've kind of talked about, uh, the best player from every state. I'm super excited for that. It's going to be a couple episodes <laughs> because we can't get all 50 states in one episode. That would just be absolutely ridiculous. And nobody, yeah. nobody wants to sit through a five-hour episode. No, and we're going to break it out by region. Yeah, we're going to do like the east region, the south region, west region, midwest, yep. northwest, stuff like and, that. And we are going to have a so-and-so called expert from that region from that region and we can confirm 
we have the East expert locked and ready to go. And Justin, he has been all over this. He's been sending me pictures and he's been texting me names. All right. And every time I see him, he has been, you got to add this guy to your list. Add this guy to your list. And who is our Eastern region expert going to be, Justin? None other than Johnny Petraglia. Is there anybody that's better that knows? No. And and just so we can preface this to people that are watching, we set the parameters from 1962 to the present. From so, when yeah. the PBA started on TV to the present. And we can't really go any further than that because then you're talking about guys that we don't even know existed, basically. Right. So it's basically exactly. going to be in the 60-year history of the PBA Best bowler out of every state. Yeah. Let the debates begin. Yep. So uh, I think that's going to be fun. Yep. Big show, big series coming up. Um, it's going to be going to be fun to talk about and debate it with the the region experts that we'll have on. Um, that will be coming here soon. Uh, working on finalizing some details and getting everything uh, underway. But once we do, we'll keep you guys posted, and uh, that'll be an absolute blast to do. Yep. Um, but Mike. I think that's going to wrap this one up. Yeah, and I got one more for you, buddy, really quick. Go right ahead. So this weekend is my Masters tournament, the Monmouth County Masters that I run every yep. year. So does John Fury win for the fourth consecutive year? Ooh. Now, wow. now we are bowling on a titanium. Okay. But it is a John Janowitz tweaked titanium. Okay. And JJ has made the pattern from it was originally like at four to like four to one um, to accommodate the surface at Bradley Bowl. You're familiar with Bradley Bowl back in yes. John has made it right around 2.7 to one. He made him flatter. Okay. Does John Fury win for the fourth year in a row? You, you, you got to give him a chance. Well, uh, he's in the fun. He's in the finals regardless. He's seated in the finals. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, he's got a pretty good opportunity because he's won the last three times. Mm-hmm. Um, all I can ask for is a chance. What's what's the two game matches in the finals? Yeah, double elimination, two game matches. Um, we all know anything can happen in a two game match. Um, but and and you know the guys back at home, so yeah, you 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 gotta like him. You have to give me a, give me a guy, give me Fury, and give me one other guy. Uh, Jimmy Rogers is also bold. There's well a there's the, the runner up from last match. year. Yep. Uh, I do know that. Oh, God. Uh, I feel like Mike Stevens is going to be another one. Ooh, we like Mike Stevens. Um, All right. God, I can't, can't even think of it. I'll tell you this. We had the first time ever last year a woman-led qualifying last year. Carson? Yes. I think you got to like her, too, a little bit, to be honest. She shot a, a little 790 last night in the league. Yeah, I think you, you got to like her. Um, because of, I think she can compete with the guys. Yeah. She's one of the few women that can get in and kind of curve it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, she's been a pretty good player for a little bit of time in our area. Yeah. Um, so I will be live Sunday around 4 PM on my Facebook page and the Monmouth County bowling Facebook page with the title match. So if you're available, Justin, you can tune in and watch the, the action back at home. I will be, so I can, yep. uh, I can make it. Yep, you can watch it, and then we will be back next Tuesday evening. Yep. And I think we're good to go. Yeah, we'll And be, don't uh, forget, 
talking Buddy's about tournament champions. Tournament TV champions next week. Yep, and don't forget buddiesproshop.com zone 5 off. Was I right? You are right. Now, is it uh, this is I actually gave the promo code to a friend of mine this week. Is it zone F I V E or zone number 5 off? Number 5. Okay, so zone Number five off for five percent off your orders at buddiesproshop.com. Yep, go check it out. Um, and we can uh we'll see you next week on Tuesday. We'll be back uh, at our regular regular scheduled time. Um yep. had a little Seven. bit of uh, some scheduling issues this week, but we'll be back next week in, in just three days. So yep. everybody enjoy, enjoy your weekend, weekend. and uh we will sex see you next week. Uh be sure to hit the subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube, like the Facebook page. Uh go check us out on Instagram if you haven't already. And uh, go check out your favorite pro shop at buddiesproshop.com. That's going to wrap it up. We will see you guys next time. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode of the Bone and Zono Zone podcast presented by buddiesproshop.com. If you want to see more, check out our Facebook and Instagram pages at Bone and Zono Zone or on YouTube as well. As for now, I'm Justin Bowen, my partner Mike Valenzano, and we hope to see you all on the next episode of the Bone and Zono Zone. <laughs>